Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hey guys, Eric Bischoff here. Now, if you need cash without the controversy, the team at SaveWithConrad.com can help. But don't take my word for it. Uh, My name is Jeffrey Munson. I'm from West Roxbury, Massachusetts. While listening in the car one day with my wife, we both were like, oh, he does mortgages. We should look into this. We've tried to refinance a couple of times and Either the the process was too crazy or we were told we didn't have enough equity in the house yet, even after owning it for about 15 years at that point, you guys started servicing Massachusetts and we just jumped all over it, reached out through the website and Larry actually gave us a buzz and started walking us through the process and it was just, it was just wonderful. It was a great experience. So we managed to consolidate a lot of debt and also take some money out and we were still at or below what the value of the house was borrowing in 2005 when we bought the house. Hi, my name is Jeffrey Munson. My wife and I managed to save $1,800 a month and are now paying $400 less each month with SaveWithConrad.com. And unlike the dirt sheets, these reviews don't lie. With over 1,000 five-star reviews, find out for yourself how much Conrad and his team save you by checking out SaveWithConrad.com and do it today. You'll be grateful you did. NMLS number 65084 Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson and you're listening to Grilling JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Jim, how are you, man? I'm pretty good, Connie. You know, these uh, new computer things I can't find how to go full screen. I, I couldn't get on quickly enough. We're doing this on the iPad. I need help. I need, I need IT help. Well, Connie IT is on the way. Our crack staff, Scott, will be by later today. Apologies for the frustration this morning, but excited to see you. Of course, as folks are listening to this, Dynamite was last night. Rampage just a couple of days away, and then a big collision this Saturday. Maybe the biggest match of Ricky Stark's life. He's going to be in there with CM Punk with a special guest referee in Ricky the Dragon Steamboat from Greenville, South Carolina. Man, that's old school wrestling right there, is it not? You're not kidding, man. I like it. Um, Greenville is always a great town, and, and, and one of the primary reasons for me was when I lived in Atlanta, it was a car trip. And that was anytime you got a car trip to go to work, uh, it's a pretty cool deal. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that match. I think Punk and Ricky will tear it up, and and uh, it'll be very entertaining, very competitive. And I think this is great for Ricky Starks. You know, CM Punk has took taken it on himself seemingly to uh, help get a bunch of guys recognized over whatever you want to say, and uh, that's. A lot of guys in his status, his, you know, right, state, state in his position wouldn't be as active to do such, to help a young guy. 
So this is a great opportunity for Ricky Starks. I hope he understands that. I'm sure that he does. And that he goes out there and has the match of his lifetime. He's in there with a guy that can do that for him. I can't wait to see it. It's all happening this Saturday night on Collision. Uh, I think they just did their best rating yet. So that show is getting a little momentum. Uh, and so is the all in show. I can't believe it, but we're finally home stretching it. Well over 75,000 tickets sold. By the time you listen to this, maybe there are over 80,000 tickets sold. I mean, we're just weeks away from the biggest show in AEW history. And on some of my other podcasts, I sort of relate this to the equivalent of WrestleMania three for the WWF. I mean, this is going to be a monster and legendary show, and uh, we don't know the full card. And Bully Ray brought up an interesting point the other day on social media, and I'm sure they talked about it on his fabulous radio show, Busted Open, with our pal Dave. And they talked about, hey, you got all these tickets sold. Maybe don't announce everything. Then everything is a surprise when those theme musics, those theme songs hit for different talent. Man, there's just mm-hmm. going to be a whole new level of enthusiasm I thought that was an interesting idea. You've seen it all. What do you think of that idea? Not a bad idea at all. He said, oh, uh, Bully Ray's got a good, uh, or Bubba Dudley. I have a hard time calling him Bully Ray. Nice name, but I, 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 prefer, to, I prefer the original version of Bubba. Uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, not a bad idea. You know, I don't have a clue what's on the card. I don't know what's going to close the show. But to be honest with you, if you're a wrestler and you're and you, you're going to be the show closer, man, you better lace those boots up really tight because uh, that's a hell of a task. Because the fans there at Wembley have seen everything. Yeah. Because you know all the boys, no boys are going are to hold anything back. They're going to give you their full toolbox. And then if you've got to close the show and follow all of that, uh, it's pretty daunting, to be honest with you. So uh, I don't know the closing the show of what probably will be a four-hour show, I'm guessing, uh, is the uh, greatest strategy for you. It's going to be it's going to be challenging. Now, we've got guys that can do it. I just don't know which ones are going to be picked out of the hopper. It's going to be a fun show. I can't wait to see it. And, of course, just a handful of days after that, the uh, whole gang is coming to Chicago for All Out. Uh, So we've got all in and the next week all out and in between it's Starcast and Starcast is on sale. Now that's S T A R R C A S T.com. We're going to have three days worth of panels and, uh, every opportunity you ever needed for meet and greets and pictures and autographs. We're still got some big, uh, announcements up our sleeves. So be sure to stay tuned on social media at Starcast events. But if you're in Chicago, let me mention We've got some never before seen once in a lifetime type opportunities for photos and autographs and meet and greets. So by all means, make plans to be there. S-T-A-R-R-C-A-S-T.com. Also want to mention if you can't make it to Chicago, Premiere is going to be streaming that thing. So be sure to catch it over on Premiere. Our topic today, though, Jim, is not about current. Another happy topic, Conrad. You guys put me through so much grief. (laughs) My week goes on really well. Really well. I got to pack my bag. I got. I'm going to Charlotte. Part of the. I got a big appearance in Charlotte on on Friday. Happiness is all about my little condo here on the beach. Then last week, we got to talk about the frigging brawl for all. Uh, yeah. 
And I, that was a stretch to try to figure out any goodness in that because uh, I, I didn't find any. And now we're going to talk about me losing my the biggest job I ever had. How did you feel? Where were you when you found out? What did JJ say? What did the dirt say? So have at it. Let's see. We'll see what we got. Yeah, let's talk about JJ say. <laughs> I, I want to ask, you know, we know that um, we know uh, most of us listening to this are, are, are big sports fans. So we know about the way a baseball team might be structured or a football franchise might be structured, that sort of thing. When do yeah. you remember first hearing about maybe it wasn't called this? Maybe this wasn't the name at the time, but talent relations. Has that always been a, a job in wrestling or when do you remember that no, becoming a job? That's a McMahon thing. And, you know, you think Cowboy had a talent relations department, much less the HR department? No. And they didn't have a talent relations department in Turner. So the first time I heard about talent relations as a term uh, was in uh, WWE. And at that time, J.J. Dillon had that, had that, had that post. So if the first person you've ever heard associated with the term talent relations is JJ Dillon, was there a talent wrangler, a talent liaison in the territory days? Was there a job like this, where this guy helps take care of the boys, whoever, whatever the title may have been in Cowboys territory, you had as a talent wrangler, you had, uh, his, uh, his road agent, Grizzly Smith, Jack Curtis, those cats were uh, the ones that babysat, because that's what you're looking for. Is a baby who's the who was the babysat? And Grizz was on the road every every show, pretty much. I rarely remember him missing a show, and uh, he would report back to Cowboy how the matches were, any incidents, things like that, attitudinal issues, guys showing up late, half-assing it, not being prepared. So uh, uh, that they they were. They were if there was a t- if there was something such as a talent relations department or one that mimicked it, it would it would have been a very small staff. Cowboy kept his overhead low, and uh, some basically grizzly, let's say, was the lead guy, and he was. He loved the dirt. God damn, it's amazing how many people are so passionate about pro wrestling dirt and gossip. It's amazing to me. But in any event, Grizz would report back to Cowboy, and the Cowboy would take it from there. So that's as close as we got. We didn't have anything even like that. It, we had a department in WCW, but it was, uh, as I expressed here, Connie, it was not managed well. It's hard to manage when you don't have product knowledge in any endeavor. Right. And the guys that were involved until Cowboy came in uh, were, did not have any pro wrestling knowledge. So, uh, but when I got to WWE in 93, uh, the, the talent relations gig was Shay Chase. And I had no, I had no, uh, no, no, no idea that I would be in it someday. It wasn't something I was looking for. I didn't go there to look to have that job. As again, uh, I was so naive. I didn't even know what the term meant when I was first hired. So let's talk about, 
you know, what your perception of talent relations was. Like, what did you think JJ's job was? And I think you actually start out maybe assisting him a little bit. What was your, you know, what was the realization of what the job really was? Just talk me through the the perception and then the reality once you actually start doing it. Well, you oversaw the contracts, make sure everything was signed, sealed, and delivered. You did the payroll, which is probably the most important uh, element of talent relations. Because we were running events every night, seemingly, most nights. So every week, without fail, you had to manually do the uh, payroll, make the payoffs. So, and then if there was issues, if somebody needed to be brought in to have a chat with JJ, uh, they would. But that's kind of where I was on that deal. I didn't. I didn't really know. I just was kind of following his lead, whatever he needed me to do. Call so-and-so, call this guy, whatever. So it was interesting. Uh, I enjoyed it. I got a great education. And I love working for J.J. He's a good man. And uh, probably deserved a better fate there than he got. We totally agree there. I think the world of J.J., and, and I'm glad we're getting to talk about him a little bit today. What uh, What did you learn? From JJ, you said you got a heck of an education. Can you tell us some of the rules yeah. of thumbs or whatever? Patience, uh, empathy, have a conscience, have a heart, that kind of thing. Uh, he was a good man, family man. It showed you that in the wacky, dysfunctional world of pro wrestling, that there could be some normality added into that if one wanted to choose to go that way. And I did. I, I, I enjoyed the actions of the talent. I think that's why I, it might be why I was so successful uh, in, uh, in, in the talent relations department because I listened, I cared, and I looked at these wrestlers like athletes. I'll tell you this. I, I did learn them early on. Most pro wrestlers embrace being called an athlete and treated like an athlete uh, than they did a performer. And maybe it's changed now. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in that role anymore, obviously, thankfully. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of things. Just about how to manage people, things like that. He was, uh, he was really, he was always calm. He always had his, his house in order. He was always prepared for virtually any question. And the talents could not ask him any questions that he had not already uh, been asked before. He had answers ready. Sometimes it wasn't what they wanted to hear, but he told the truth. And this little Jack Nicholson line, you know, you can't handle the truth. Some guys couldn't handle the truth. They didn't want to hear the truth. They didn't want to hear that the money was not going to be there to pay off the Rolex. I, I I admire JJ. I still do. I, I consider him a very good friend. Let's talk a little bit about Vince's expectations for this role. You know, like you mentioned, this is really a, a Vince initiative. Even the phrase talent relations, this is the first time we've seen that used in wrestling. What was he trying to accomplish with this role or department? Did he have, all right, now you guys make sure that we always... And whatever we do, we can never, can you help us fill in the blanks there? Never lie. Never, never 
never be late with a payroll mm -hmm. ever. Uh, and I never was. Uh, and it's the, the process sped up. When we first started, Vince and I did the payroll together, which is nice for FaceTime with the head honcho and all that good stuff. But sometimes he would run the deadline right up to the wire because he had so many other projects he was working on. So sometimes it's multitasking, which he's famous for doing, uh, almost made us late. And then we didn't want to break the first rule of talent relations, pay the talent fairly on time. Mm -hmm. So that's what we did. And, uh, but he was, uh, so then he got enough confidence in me to say, cause we're meeting every, I don't know what day it was Saturday, I think at his house. So, uh, and I, uh, basically as Linda told me one time, gave him back, gave her husband back to her because he had enough confidence in me to. Uh, allowed me to do the payroll using my own skills and judgment, which kind of turned, showed me he had turned the corner and he started believing a good old JR. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, when you're watching JJ and observing JJ and assisting JJ, is there something you saw he was doing that you thought it's his department, but man, if I got my hands on this, I might do that a little differently. Oh, not really. Not really, because I was still learning, finding my way. Uh, I just listened a lot. The same thing I did with McGurk, the blind promoter who, who, who he and Bill Watts broke me in. Uh, I listened to Cowboy. Uh, there was not that role model, that strong position, that person in that position in WCW. <laughs> they never had good, uh, well, I'm saying never. That's not a good statement. They rarely had uh, great structure in the management place, the management position, the management chair. They didn't get the right people to sit there more often than not. So uh, I just watched. I didn't, well, I could do that better. You know, I could do this. I wonder what the dirt sheets would say. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Did you, do you remember there being any moments where you were watching JJ, where it was, uh, it was a tough moment for him or the business or the talent. And you thought, wow, this is a teachable moment for me. I learned something based on the way I saw this shake out because JJ, man, when he's helping shepherd some of this stuff, he's in the corporate structure of this company during a lot of scandals and a lot of controversy. It's not all just rosebuds the entire time that JJ's there. And I'm wondering, you know, were you able to see, I don't know, crisis management, if maybe that's even the right phrase for what was happening at different times? Well, there's a lot of crisis management ongoing in this piece of business. <clears throat> you know, the boys didn't call you to thank you for the payoff. That's right. But they would call you if the check was a day late. Mm. So it was, uh, you did get a lot of accolades for the town. Uh, they they felt you were that was your job, so this is what you're supposed to do, and I'm not gonna I'm not going to uh, you know go out of my way to give you your flowers. Conrad, did anybody ever give you? Your, Conrad got flowers when he went to the Hall of Fame. I did, yes, yeah, sir. Conrad got flowers when he became the pod officially the the, the pod. What's it called? Podfather? Yeah, Podfather. What the hell? <laughs> 
Well, I don't call Hall myself that, but I'll tell you what. It's very intimidating to do this interview with the Hall of Fame guy. I'll listen to you. Well, you know what? Yes, I know how you boost that confidence. We're talking about Manscaped, baby. Today, we're here with a sponsor for your bouncing bundle of joy. No, we're not talking about a baby. We're talking about your baby makers. That's right. Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. But just like your babies, your little delicate guys have sensitive skin. And they deserve products that are not only skin safe, but made with safe ingredients. And that's where Manscaped's Platinum Package comes in. From razors to shower care, this package goes above the gold standard for your body hair. So treat your beautiful boys to the finest toys at manscaped.com. Use our code JimRoss for 20% off plus free shipping. The Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. They've designed this package to fully align your entire hygiene routine with elite products. Inside the Platinum Package, of course, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Ultra Premium Body Wash, the Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, plus the Ultra Premium Deodorant, the Crop Preserver Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver, the Ball Tone Sprayer. I mean, th this is... This has got everything, even the shed travel bag and the anti-chafing boxers. It's the ultimate package, but maybe it all starts with that body trimmer and the, the weed whacker for your nose and ear hair. They both have proprietary skin safe technology. And in addition to that, we can really level everything up, make you smell good with this body wash and the shampoo and conditioner. But I'll tell you, the guys on our network, they absolutely love all the other products. Let me explain. The crop preserver is absolutely Tony Schiavone's go-to. Like whenever I talk to him about Manscaped, he loves it. It's ball deodorant, and that's right. It's a real deal. How about Eric Bischoff? He loves the ball toner. It's a ball spray. That's right, spray for your balls. And what about good old JR? To this day, he still loves the Shed Travel Bag. He uses it on every single trip. You will too. This performance package or this Platinum Package 4.0 covers all your bases from head to toe. And let me mention, they've now got aluminum-free ultra-premium deodorant. And it's got a cologne-quality scent, but it's aluminum-free. How about that, boys and girls? Get 20% off and free shipping when you use our promo code JimRoss at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Be sure to use the promo code JimRoss and use that platinum package because the gold standard is no longer enough. That's manscaped.com, promo code Jim Ross. So, Jim, what let's... Bruce use, Conrad? We always want to talk about Bruce. Man, you know, he's he's still rocking the stinky nuts. I'm trying to get him to warm up to it. Oh, you will. You let him, you let him out of the valley of darkness where he is today. Does he give you a part of his check? Uh, you know what? I need you to be my agent. Why don't you be my Barry Bloom? Go get my 10 or 15% or whatever it is. Yeah. You, you need it. You deserve it. Well, I appreciate that. By God. Conrad, you notice I'm wearing a no-you shirt today? How about that? It's right around the season, man. Right around the corner. Yeah. Well, the Jordan collection. Can you believe uh, that as folks are listening to this, uh, tonight, Thursday night, tonight, preseason football starts our very first game. Can you believe it? It's amazing. I'm ready. Yeah, me too. I'm ready. I'm curious on a lot of these moves that were made in the offseason. How well will Aaron Rodgers play? I, I hope he plays well. I like him. And, and the things he did to to, to re-gift the money back to the Jets so they could buy some more pieces, I thought it was pretty cool. So 
he was there at the first day of camp. It looks like everything's going well. So let's just hope he stays healthy. And I'm not a Jets fan, per se, as I am an Aaron Rodgers fan. So anyway, uh, there you go. So now we know that Bischoff uses yep. something on his nuts. Yep. And, and Shivani's the nut guy. Yeah, big time. Huge nut guy. Yeah. 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 Everybody knows yeah. that. Oh, yeah. He looks, his nuts look like two marbles in a toe sack. Okay. There's a little, there's a, there's some cleavage there. I, oh, you that's know, what I hear. I'm really glad that the, the dirt sheets or the, the news websites, brother, they've got a new headline. JR says okay. Tony Schiavone's balls look like marbles in a toe sack. They yeah. look like two marbles in a toe sack. Yeah. There's a lot of space left down there in the old sector. There you go. So anyway, where were we, Conrad, on this journey through my failures? Well, speaking of uh, giant sacks and nuts, we're talking about J.J. Dillon here, and I, I know he's pretty legendary in that regard as well. Let's um, <laughs> let's talk about J.J.'s departure, because this is a, a pretty important moment in WWF history that doesn't get talked about a ton, and I've heard the story. Well, who's from- going to talk about it besides my dumbass coming on my own podcast? To be emasculated. But go ahead. How are you being emasculated when we're talking about JJ leaving? No, this is the topic. You said nobody ever talked about it. Well, nobody was stupid enough to want to step up and talk about it until me. Uh, Go ahead. So so let's talk about JJ's departure here. As I understand (laughs) it, he is going to announce he's leaving. And I believe this is on, do I have this right? This is on Shane's wedding day. Uh, Shane was getting married that Saturday, right? As I recall, I think Booze and I were in South Africa, if I'm not mistaken, or or somewhere far, far away. And when uh, then we got a call from Vince's office, maybe Vince, it might have been Vince talking to Bruce, I'm not sure, or Vince's assistant, Beth, nice lady, uh, and uh. That's how we found out. So we were both in South Africa for producing a show, uh, a TV show for uh, them. And uh, Bruce was very, uh, he was very motivated at that time to get that gig. And he, he and I discussed that. Do you want it? Uh, you know, I said, I, I, here's what I said. You've been here the longest. You really want this job. I don't know why you don't have it. Get it. I'm all for it. That's what you want to do. It's not going to bother me one bit. But this hedged his best to make sure that I didn't get boo-boo faced. Uh, and he made, he, he gave us both the job. I think a little tweak in the, in the name, maybe. Uh, he, was, he was manager and I was this or something. It was a this semantics. Well, let's talk about the uh, the timing here, because I, I did a quick little search and I saw that, in fact, Shane McMahon was married on Saturday, September 14th, 1996. You're saying that was on yep. a Saturday, so I assume this is probably a Thursday. And you, you had your timeline nailed. You guys were in South Africa on September uh, 9th running a show or 8th running a show, 9th on the show, 10th, 12th, and 14th. So you guys, your memory is right on, man. You guys were in uh, South Africa. And I want to hear, like, is there panic or concern in the chairman that 
JJ's leaving? Because I, I would imagine this is less than ideal timing with the steroid policy that JJ introduced. And now there's competition on the WCW side. And oh, by the way, my son's getting married this weekend. Was there a concern from the chairman about the timing of this? Well, I'm sure there was. I didn't talk to him specifically about it, but I don't know how there couldn't be. Uh, you know, big wedding. You can imagine a McMahon wedding. You know, imagine uh, I was. I didn't go to that. Obviously, I was. But I did go to Stephanie and uh, Hunter's wedding, which is another masterpiece. Beautiful, beautifully done. But I didn't go to Shane's. I missed all that. My wife went. Well, Jan went. She wouldn't have missed that for the world. Give her a reason to dress up, buy some more Louis Vuitton. So, uh, which is fine with Big Daddy here. Buy all you want, honey. So, uh, uh, no, I, I'm sure Vince is upset. But I also think that Vince looked at it, he looks at a lot of things like this as an opportunity to improve the situation. So it gave him an opportunity to have a fresh start, uh, for the lack of a better term. And uh, that's why he, did, he wasn't sure if it was going to be Bruce or me or the combination of the two. And that's kind of where we went. Bruce was really good at uh, creative-like things in talent. If a talent had an idea for an uh, angle or a character or how to embellish their character, uh, Brucey was uh, really a good resource for them. Uh, if it came down to the payroll and more, uh, uh, I don't want to say bookkeeping, but more things like that, the payroll, contracts expiring, things like that, uh, that would be my area, or more of my area of expertise. So uh, we coexisted fine in that role. It just, it, it just it didn't last long, but we, 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 us, we didn't implode. We uh, we survived it very well, and it's hard to do have a two man office when both of you are new. What were the the challenges of doing the two man office? Um, you guys just had a difference. Okay, communication and Brucey's hair. Look at the hair, God damn, and mine too. We both visited uh, cheapest barbers we could find. Looks like. Uh, Oh, that, I think that part picture was from uh, Mid-South or something. Or, I'm not sure. Anyway, just communicating, Conrad. Making sure the left knows what the right's doing. That's all. Nothing magical. Nothing crazy. Just, we needed to, you know, uh, communicate. And I need to know who he talked to. And he needed to know what, what I'm doing. He needed to look to payroll. Because somebody called and tell him about an idea. And, and the idea was X and created, they're going to bring up their pay somehow, some way. And you need to be informed as to what they're getting paid and what they're earn, currently earning. And a lot of the guys did not take their downside guarantee contract every week. They took it. Hey, man, let me give you a little life hack just in time for Mother's Day and Father's Day. I'm talking about paintyourlife.com. That's the place where you can get a gift that mom or dad will never forget. Real quick, do you remember what you got mom or dad last year for Mother's Day or Father's Day? Well, here's how you give a gift that they'll never forget. You find something that's meaningful, something that's personal. Maybe we're talking about their mom or dad who's no longer here. 
Maybe it's about a long lost relative. Maybe it's about their favorite pet. Who's no longer with us. Maybe there was always this dream that mom and dad were going to vacation to some exotic tropical Island, but they never quite made it there. Well, all of those dreams can become reality at paintyourlife.com. You simply upload those photos. You can even use a photo right out of your phone. They can even help you combine photos to create one unique memory. You'll pick the artist. You'll even pick the medium. Hey, do you want an oil, acrylic, watercolor, charcoal? You can even pick the frame. The whole process is less than five minutes to get started. You can get it in as little as two weeks, but along the way you work hand in hand to ensure that the artist is nailing it. They're getting exactly what you wanted and you're going to get that reaction you wanted from mom or dad. I'm telling you, this has been a home run for me. I've used it for my mom, for my dad, for my father-in-law, for my cousin, for my wife. It's great for any occasion, but with mother's day and father's day right around the corner, how do we show the people who gave us everything that we really care? I don't think you can beat a meaningful gift like this from paintyourlife.com. And if you're looking to give the best and most meaningful gift you've ever given paintyourlife.com can hook you up and there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. You can get 20% off your painting. That's right. 20% off and free shipping. Now to get this special offer, just text the word Ross to 87204. That's Ross to 87204. Text R-O-S-S to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. The show is like a regular payoff. So uh, that's that was another little fly in the ointment because nobody's ever happy with uh, payroll in that regard. The payroll of uh, is what is the word I'm looking for? It's discretionary. Mm-hmm. So that means that somebody's opinion, based on the numbers, based on your position on the card, based on your performance of what you're going to be paid. So both are delicate areas, creative and uh, financing, finances, payoffs, all very important. And I would say that talents are more focused on their pay than they are their creative because they can argue and make an argument on their pay very easily. Well, I heard so-and-so made this. Uh, you know, if, it wasn't, if it was true, I'd tell them it's true. But if it wasn't true, I'd tell them, that's not an accurate number. Somebody BS it. And that was a game that was played a lot. Right. You know, we could, how was your well, good checks last week, huh? Yeah, man, I made two grand for Philly. What? Lying. And then, of course, the talent would come to me, and here's how I stopped that. I said, who told you he made two grand? Him? Yeah. So Jerry Briscoe would be with me oftentimes. It's just an invaluable resource. Great man. Great man. And uh, he would say, uh, I said, Jerry, go get so-and-so, please. He'd go get the culprit who, who 
and Bill, I would say to their face, did you tell him that you made two grand for Philly? They had a little wry smile on her face. Yeah. I said, well, why did you lie to him? Well, just, just a rib, man. Just having some fun. Well, your fun has been interpreted as him getting screwed on his payoff. So I'd like you to tell me what you actually made. And that's how I settled it. Bring both parties in. Here you are. Hey, here you go. I got this problem. I got an issue. You need to, you need to come clean. And, uh, and I understand your need for levity and humor in your job, but this is not the place or the time or the topic to include that into your, 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 uh, you know, your delivery, your presentation. Talk to me about Bruce deciding, or maybe it was decided for him. Hey, this isn't really what I hoped for. I mean, you said that he had wanted the job for a long time and you wanted him to have it, all that jazz. We know it doesn't, you know, it doesn't work out. It's not maybe the best seat on the bus for him. When did, when did that become apparent to him and how did Vince take it? I assume that Bruce says, Hey, I'd rather just work on creative or how did all that go down as best you recall? Well, Bruce wasn't having fun because he didn't like all the negativity that he was experiencing from the talent. It was an ongoing onslaught. It was every day. Every day ending in Y. Weekends are no exception. I just think that uh, I remember him telling me he wasn't having any fun and that he was going to talk to Vince about doing more stuff in creative. He's, Bruce is good in creative. I don't know how good he is in keeping books and, and hitting deadlines and all that stuff. Maybe great. But he wanted out. He, he wasn't having fun. And I don't care what kind of job you have, man. If you're not having any fun, you need to move on and find something that's going to allow you to enjoy your, your, your workspace. And he wasn't in the talent relations department. So once he sort of lowers that boom to, uh, to Vince, does that just mean, you know, Vince has a meeting with you and says, okay, Jim, it's all yours now, or? What's that handoff or transition from a two-man team to JR? It's just yours now, look like. Oh, he was, uh, that's pretty much how it went. It was a short meeting. You know, Bruce is going to start working more and creative. He's good at it. This is not his calling card town relations. He, he's not enjoying this himself, so we're going to help him. And we're going to put him in an area that he likes, that he's good at. And you're going to, you're going to be the guy in town relations. And uh, there's where I finally believed that I could make some, some changes. I could get more involved in recruiting. And I think anybody that's followed my record in that department can say, we did a damn good job recruiting town and signing them. You guys, you know, beginner, so to speak. You know, on the road, and, and, and Bruce, and see, Bruce liked that aspect of it. He's a, he's a, he enjoyed recruiting. He got out of the house, got to make a road trip or two, and uh, so I was fine with that. Uh, but I knew I could change a few things, and we needed as a as a company to get a more athletic and younger talent roster, and that was my goal. 
Well, if your goal is to uh, get some great-looking wrestling gear every single month, look no further than ProWrestlingCrate.com. This episode is brought to you in part by ProWrestlingCrate.com. Monthly mystery crates for diehard wrestling fans. If you're looking for exclusive wrestling collectibles every month, sign up at ProWrestlingCrate.com. Boxes ship worldwide and include brand-new merch from AEW wrestlers and WWE legends. Every premium box includes two T-shirts, one micro brawler figure, one autographed eight by 10, one lapel pin and more. The plans start at just nine 95 and are the perfect gift for any wrestling fan. Visit pro today. So Jim, let's pick up and talk about, you know, once you're really running the thing and it's just you now, JJ's gone. He's with WCW. Bruce is going to be back in creative. I just want to talk about your philosophy. You wrote in your book that you always looked at building a talent relations department, like a sports franchise. And clearly that worked. I mean, Vince wrote the foreword of your book and he said, as head of talent relations, Jim has proved an insightful, creative and dedicated senior executive signing a plethora of legendary talent during his tenure who were essential to building WWE into what it is today. Really high remarks here from the chairman. Clearly, he's he's happy with the job you did. How how do you think your approach differed from J.J. Dillon before you? I was probably more aggressive. Uh, I was a lot more involved in recruiting and looking at tapes and, and, and surrounding myself with guys that could go out and that had light goals. You know, like if I wanted an amateur guy, we saw an amateur someplace like a Brock Lesnar, for example. Uh, and, uh, so and, uh, we had very, we had a lot of guys chip in, uh, and, and when guys saw that I was open to signing talent, uh, it motivated them to bring those videos and, and, and I'd meet with talent and things of that nature, uh, together. So, uh, I just think I was probably a little bit more aggressive. I was younger, you know, Jan and I didn't have twins to take care of. Uh, and so it worked out. It was the right place, right time. And I appreciate what Vince wrote. And and uh, to be very self-serving, I, I agree with all of it. <laughs> well, listen, let's talk about just what your day-to-day was like. Uh, I, I know that there are scouting opportunities. I do want to talk about that. But just on a day-to-day basis, you're showing up to the office on a Tuesday morning. What's that look like? Well, it was actually Wednesday morning, Connie. Okay. Because I went, I went to SmackDown. And, because uh, at SmackDown, even though I wasn't on air talent, I had the opportunity to interface with the, with the talent roster that were there. And my day was full of answering questions and sitting and talking and things like that back to Stanford. And we generally fly into, uh, what's that town called? Westchester? Uh, yeah, Westchester. And that was cool because it put us close to home. And uh, nobody drove as fast home as Vince would, though, man. Goddamn, he, he, he had cars that were like rocket ships, and he loved the speed. Uh, so uh, I'd do that. Then Wednesday morning, and while I was at TV on Tuesday, I would come, yes, a quiet place to work on the payroll, bring all the paperwork with me to do that discretionary payroll. And uh, then on Wednesday, I would be head to the head to the grindstone 
and getting the payroll done. So those checks could go out that week. And uh, booking, I, had, oh, I also did the booking, by the way. I did book the live events and I booked, uh, you know, appearances and things. Just managing the talent. Wherever they moved around, I was aware of it and I generally approved of it if, they, if somebody else was doing it. But I did a lot of, the, a lot of that. And then you get all the way to the end of the week, finishing up, and the phone never stopped ringing. So then I would uh, get on the phone with Jack Lanza as a rule, or maybe one of the other agents, and we'd go over the live events that I booked and what I was looking for, or what Vince was looking for more specifically. So uh, it was a massive deal for one guy. So we pulled it off somehow just by never getting out of rhythm. I knew what I knew every day what I needed to address. If I, if the live event on Friday night did not go well, somebody's matches sucked. Uh, I try to correct that before the next bell would ring. But you don't want to give the fans something that's not good. You, you thought it was going to be a good match. You thought it was a good booking, but it wasn't. And uh, Lanza did a great job with that. He was a good agent. He was kind of a, one of the boys, sometimes maybe too much. But he, he was very honest with me. And he knew what to leave out of the daily agent reports and what to put in. So uh, that was kind of, but my day was always, I had a seven-day-a-week gig. because There was always something to do. All those live events, got to keep, you, keep you abreast. <laughs> So uh, it's good to know that you were doing the live event booking too. I mean, I think that's a whole separate job these days that road dog is doing, but I was also fascinated to hear that you were booking appearances and things. I just want to run through, you know, how that process would have looked. I assume that there was uh, a sales team out there who were, who were making these contacts, fielding these offers. And then once those deals are put together, now it's up to you to handle the talent like hey you got to be here at so and so and here's the pay for that sort of thing or what was the process for that deal well somebody would request a talent it was up to me to prove it and they had a department you had paid appearances uh you could you could do and extra money for the talent so i was anytime the talent was in line to make money i was in the same line to make sure they got paid and they got paid fairly so, uh, but it wasn't that many appearances. I mean, it wasn't like I did, we did three or four a day. It wasn't. So, uh, but it's just another spoke in the wheel, man. It's another thing to do. It's, uh, it's crazy to think that you're doing all of that. Once you figure out all the, uh, the payoffs, if you will, cause you said you would do that sometimes Tuesday at TV. And then I assume you just deliver that package, uh, Wednesday to payroll and they disperse or what's that process like? Wednesday afternoon, I deliver it. I start looking at it on Tuesday when I had a moment. And uh, then I would, uh, uh, when I got back to my office in Stanford, I would finish it and uh, already had it refresh in my mind and here we go. So, uh, you know, you try to make on a bad house, you gotta, you still gotta pay people. And I've been told so many times since those years, you know, I was talking to Mike Kyoto the other day, he does some stuff that you guys would have free. He said I was the best payoff guy he ever had all the years he worked at WWE. Just being fair, just being fair. That's all. 
and on the talent see that you're fair that uh, moves the needle in a lot of different direct a lot of different ways and generally in a positive way uh, talk to me a little bit about you know the way you're you're doing the payroll I assume that once it leaves your desk, Vince has to check off, or was that only for big pay-per-views and that sort of thing? Or otherwise, is it just it's up to JR? Well, it, uh, <clears throat> the uh, only payroll that he reviewed was the pay-per-views. Okay. Because there was more money to split up and bust up, and he wanted to take care of some guys a bit more than others who had gone above and beyond the call of duty. Uh, so. Uh, but on the, just a weekly run of house shows, he'd never see it. I, I did it and with, the, with the hope that it was fair and honest. And uh, it was. It was accurate. And there was continuity in how I paid this week as opposed to how I paid last week. So uh, it was a interesting process that I, I got decent at because I did it so much. It's just hard to start with a blank page. Uh, and uh, put these numbers down. You got to have some. Or I'll give you an example. You know, I think Stone Cold made three uh, percent of the net after taxes. Three percent. So to simplify it, three percent equals a hundred grand. Uh, uh, Steve would make three thousand dollars. So that was kind of how we did that. He got 3% of the net after taxes. And he he made a lot of money. A lot of money. We have half a million dollar houses in the road. You know, it was amazing. And then you'd stair-step it down. Boom. Bring it down. Uh, top guy. And then bing, 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 bing. And so I, I tried to work it where Nobody, including referees, made less than 500 bucks. So if you're riding with somebody and you got a little crew with you, you could get by on $500 a day. Oh, yeah. And that's what we tried to do. Improve the quality of life for the referees and not everybody. Preliminary guys, the old nine yards. So that's how I looked at it. And it was that way every week. Consistency. Your check was going to come on time, and it's going to be configured the same way this week as I did it last week and the week before. So it uh, it worked out well. I, I want to ask you about discretionary because discretionary means what it is, but then you applied an actual percentage to Austin. As best you can recall, was that part of his contract, or was that McMahon's rule of thumb he wanted you to use for him? No, that was, it was what this wanted. I got you. It wasn't in his contract, Conrad. It's what Vince wanted to do for Steve. Gotcha. Simple as that. We uh, we should talk about, since we're talking about talent relations, who some of your easiest guys to work with were. We'll talk about the tough the challenges maybe another time or a little later. But who were the guys who you knew, man, anytime as acting in that talent relations role, I have to have a conversation with so-and-so. It's going to be a breeze. It's going to be professional. It's going to be easy. Oh, well, you know, we didn't have too many troublemakers. Uh, to be honest with you. Uh, we, there were some here, there, and yon. You know, Undertaker is always a great source of leadership. And you always got this straight answer from him. Uh, 
fine, fine human being, great man. Uh, you know, I, I was a talent relations guy before or after Bret Hart came, but Bret Hart I heard was good to work with. And uh, even though he wasn't a pushover as far as his money or his creative, it was the most fun to work with guys that had an idea, that had a thought of how to construct their TV character and how to conduct themselves on the road. But Taker was really good in that role. Uh, Triple H was very good in that role. Austin was a little hard-headed. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, we had uh, a roster full of guys that loved the business and they wanted to help WWE achieve greater heights. But uh, Taker probably was my go-to guy. Let's, um, let's talk about maybe, Sue, some of the challenges were. I mean, you've told us before that Ken Shamrock at times was not reliable. Did you have any other habitual, like, oh, man, it just feels like it's always something with this guy? And I have to give that some thought, Conrad. I don't, I don't, I mean, these challenges come and go. Right. Uh, you, you know, Jimmy Johnson, the football coach, once said, if I can't solve a problem, I'm going to eliminate it. Yes. And that was kind of my philosophy. I'm going to do all I can for you to, to create a more happy work environment to address your issues. But if we, you and I, together, cannot solve this issue, the only alternative that we have is to eliminate it. And that means you leaving. So, and that was, it's, it's hard. But that's how I looked at it. You know, some guys just don't want to be happy. Some talents like the controversy. And uh, I think it's crazy. Why would you want to live a stressful, stressful life? I, I, don't, I don't get it. But in any event, that's kind of where we were. As I understand it, this is going to be a pretty stressful job for you. And I know that once upon a time, you started to have some, some stomach issues and thought, oh, man, let's just uh, let's rub some dirt on it. Let's play hurt. And in reality, man, you wound up needing pretty major surgery. I'm sure through all of this process, the ups and downs and the day-to-day stress of being on air and all the stuff you do behind the scenes, I mean, you had pride of ownership of WWE. You might not have owned it, but man, you were operating as if this was your baby. And I'm sure that stress would be something you would have conversations with Jan about. What was Jan's take on you trying to burn it at both ends here? She was always wanting me to slow down. Yeah. She, uh, she was the logical one. I was John Wayne. I figured that I could uh, do anything and nobody could outwork me. I could work more days in a row, whatever. It's ego, what that is. And uh, she was worried because, you know, at the same time, we discovered I had sleep apnea. Well, sleep apnea will kill you. You stop breathing, it ain't good. So uh, she's the one that awakened me to the fact that I was not sleeping regularly or normally. So thank God she was in the bed with me for a lot of reasons. <laughs> but that was a good one. She, she just, she took care of me. I was her guy until the day she died. 
Did you ever think, hey, maybe I need to slow this down? I mean, I know that our wives sometimes say, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that. They're looking out for us, but sometimes it's hard for us to see the forest for all the trees or whatever that cliche is. Did it ever get to you, do you think, where you seriously thought, maybe it is time? When I got replaced in that role, it didn't, that thought came up prominently that maybe it's time, maybe it's just an omen. So, uh, yeah, it came up. And I had to look myself in the mirror and say, look, you're not invincible. You're not getting any younger. There's that that youth thing comes in, I guess. But anyway, yeah, I I thought about it. I had to think about it in some of those terms because I was pissed off today. I got uh, showed the door. And the guy that I hired, I originally hired Laurinaitis to, to be my replacement. I just wasn't ready to be replaced at that time. But once again, Vince has got to show you that he's in charge. And he did. So I moved, I moved down the hall, actually to a bigger office. And I still had a VP title. I just wasn't sure what I was going to do, what my job description was. And nobody seemed to know which tells you that sooner than later, you're out. So uh, that's how I, I saw that deal, man. I just, but I, I, at the time, how it was handled, pissed me off. In hindsight, looking back at it, probably one of the best things I could have done was get out of that role. I, um, I feel like now's as good a time as any. We should just ask. How did the whole Johnny Ace thing come to be? Well, I needed a helper. I needed an assistant, and he had been he had been doing some work, similar work down in uh, WCW. You know, I knew he had done some agent work and work for talents, so forth. So I I solicited him. I recruited him. I wanted him to be my number two guy, and uh, so we brought him in. He moved. Uh, happy with the hiring still. I'm still happy with the hiring. Uh, so he was uh, qualified and young. He had pretty teeth, nice hair. I don't know. So I'm kidding about that. But anyhow, Vince liked him because he was fresh. Look at this face. It's a road worn. I'm a veteran. Can't show me nothing I ain't already seen. And I wanted to help Johnny get up to speed. And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, he he supplanted me as the as head of town relations. I found out, like everybody else, no warning, no heads up, no nothing. That's what frustrated me. You wrote in your book, uh, I hired a guy named John Laurinaitis or Johnny Ace, as he was known in the wrestling business to help me out. John was working backstage in WCW. I also knew him from his time working in Japan for their top promoter, Giant Baba, and he seemed most interested in talent relations. So I hired him as my assistant. If Vince wanted to have two companies and two rosters and two TVs, it could be two times the work. So I sold Vince on Johnny as the chairman didn't know who he was. (laughs) <laughs> um, 
I love those words in your book there. And 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 you sort of laid out that eventually uh the worm started to turn a little bit. Um what did you think of Johnny when he was hired as your quote unquote assistant? Were you guys a good team at that time? Yeah, I think so. I think so. It started degenerating when he realized there was a the plum is within reach. And then we didn't communicate as well or as much. So uh so I, I had a it was it was good. And then the uh, the creative staff had to had to get involved and make him a character, expand on me being a character, which is all total bullshit. It didn't it didn't sell a ticket. It didn't it didn't get any ratings that I'm familiar with. Maybe somebody knows something I don't know there. But man, it was just horrible. Uh that character thing. It it drove a stake between us. And I didn't like that. I wanted to stay business and, and do my thing with John. So but it didn't do well. It it it, it affected what we were doing. Uh, it makes the observer in January of 03. Stop it. John Laurinaitis is said to be pushing hard for the spot running the talent relations department, which is Jim Ross's job. Laurinaitis appeared to be groomed to eventually take over the spot. And there've been rumors for months regarding this getting stronger with the idea that Ross would retire from the position by the end of this year. McMahon has talked with Ross about slowing down, but Ross is wanting to delegate more to Laurinaitis. Laurinaitis is the lead agent right now on SmackDown. So less than two years after he's on the team, uh, these reports start to make the observer. You said you could tell when there was less and less communication. Um, what was what were his strengths and weaknesses that you saw at that time? He had a great smile. Uh he was younger than me. The the ageism thing in wrestling is alive and well. Uh, so, but he understood the business. He he was a good finish guy. So if a talent came to him uh, that was upset about a finish in a live event, John had the ability and the experience to tweak it. So he was good in, the, in it, finishes and things of that nature. I thought. Uh, but product knowledge. He had product knowledge, which is important. <clears throat> but uh, I wish he had come to me and said, hey, I really want this gig. And how can you, how can you help me? And I would have been glad to. I'd have been glad to step aside as long as I had another place to land. But he was a good product knowledge guy. I liked that. And, uh, you know, he, he seemed to get along with the talent well. Most of them. Some of them he didn't at all. But but I'm sure I didn't either. But he, he, he seemed to get along with the talent well enough to be productive. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, the actual transition. Because I'm curious, like I always assumed as an outsider, that there would have been some sort of conversation about all this, but that doesn't really seem to be the case. I mean, you even wrote in your book that 
there maybe had been rumors, but he had never actually, he being Vince, pronoun boy, had never actually said anything. Uh, you wrote, my team and I had built the most successful roster in the history of WWE, and we had a whole new crop of future main eventers and Hall of Famers in the pipeline. But this was the wrestling business, and new was always better, even if it wasn't right. I'd heard rumors that my time in talent relations was coming to an end, but not a single word was mentioned to me before Vince said, quote, I'm moving in a different direction, JR. You would continue. We were backstage in a makeshift office just before our TV taping was to begin. A different direction, I asked. And Vince nodded. I want you to go down to the locker room and introduce Johnny as the new head of talent. The Johnny he was talking about was John Laurinaitis, whom I'd hired from WCW. Johnny Ace, as he was known in the business, was my number two, and he had clearly set his sights on my job. Okay, I replied. Vince being Vince moved on to some other piece of business, and that was it. The chairman had made his decision. No discussion, no feedback, no explanation. I was simply out. I didn't know what I'd done or didn't do to be pushed aside. I didn't ask either. As usual, I wanted to be seen as the strong, silent type, or maybe I was afraid of the answer. And you would continue, Vince talked constantly about respect in the wrestling business, and I, like a fool, bought it. Seemed to me at that moment that respect only flowed one way. I didn't even get a thank you. But as always, I did what I was asked to do, and I introduced John in his new role. Even though a lot of the boys side-eyed the decision, I kept my mouth shut. No one had to see how much it broke my heart. The official line was, Vince wanted to make a change, and that's what's happening. And as I understand it, that happened on the April 12th Raw here in 2003. Oh, yeah. Take me back to that. I don't have that. I don't have that date committed to memory, Connie. Yeah, I can't imagine. Um, I know that, you know, you're going to give me the old load the wagons. I'm John Wayne answer. What did Jan think of this and how it was handled? She was very disappointed. She cried. Yeah. Anytime my wife cried, my wife only cried a few times while we were married because of a wrestling issue, you know, Owen Hart's death, things like that. Serious things. But she felt very badly. She, she couldn't understand how someone that had been there that long and been in the business that long didn't, uh, didn't get a thank you. Now, I made a lot of money, Conrad, through the stock, and I still got stock. I made a lot of money working for Vince, of which I'm very, very grateful. Because the end of the, the end game is what are you banking? What are you what are you keeping? And he took great care of me financially. Uh, you know, I was in a stock program uh, off the stock. I bought my house in Oklahoma. Uh, off my stock, I bought this place I'm sitting in. So I I really. Sometimes I feel guilty about even bitching or complaining. I just wish I would have got a thank you. I just wish I'd had a little bit more of a heads up that uh, a change is coming. I think you were 52 at the time. Uh, and, and if the timeline is right, a few years prior to that, you'd bought your place in Oklahoma. And there's speculation in the torch that maybe this would be good, you know, that this would actually help the announcing and, and you wouldn't be as bogged down. Like, JR, who just has to focus on announcing, could be a totally different JR than the guy who's also got to book the house shows and negotiate contracts, et cetera, et cetera. 
Were you trying to find the silver lining like that too, or did this just feel like a demotion? It kind of felt like a demotion. <clears throat> I didn't lose any pay. Well, there you go. Shit. I didn't lose any pay. And I didn't, and I was still an EVP of business affairs or something like that, some bogus title. Uh, so it wasn't all, don't cry for me, Argentina. Again, I made a ton of money. I made more money for McMahon than, until I went to AEW than I'd ever made. AEW blew it away. Thanks, Tony Khan. I'm not going to let you down either. So, because uh, it, it, it Tony sees it, I think JR's best when he's announcing. That's his deal. Let's figure out where he needs to sit. And he needs to set the side. So you know, I I I wasn't un, I wasn't unhappy about just focusing on the on the announcing. I thought that was timely and a good thing. So, but you're you're I still did talent relations work. Who do you think the talent came to to ask a question? Right. You know, it's just. It's mentioned that before you, you know, when you're addressing the wrestlers and you're saying, you know, hey, Johnny's going to be taking over my role, you gave a brief speech to the locker room. Do you remember anything you said there or what sentiment you were trying to leave, what you were trying to share? I don't thank everybody for their support, hard work. We built a hell of a team here. Yeah. And we had. Look at that roster. I, I will have hired more Hall of Famers than anybody in, the, in the wrestling history. And, uh, and talents that came in and made themselves and the company a lot of cash. So for that, I'm happy. And, uh, but it's just, it was the presentation, Conrad, really simple. I had great opportunities. I had, I made great money. I didn't get doc pay when I uh, changed roles. Uh, took, again, he took great care of me in that regard. It was the way it was done is my biggest bitch. The uh, Observer and the Torch were obviously discussing this a lot, and Wade Keller even said, most wrestlers are, quinge- are cringing at the news of Laurinaitis' promotion. Uh, the wrestlers who were against the move say they haven't cared for his style since he joined the company, and he's exposed himself as a quote-unquote ass-kisser and a suck-up. Uh, now, of course, Wade would say he does have some supporters, uh, TNA wrestlers, independent wrestlers. They may think that they have a better shot with him maybe than they did with you. And he would also continue, he being Wade, to say that in the year or so he's been here, he has developed a relationship with, quote unquote, his people. And he's got allies and people like Dean Malenko and Fit Finley. Did you perceive Dean and Fit to be "quote unquote" Johnny Ace guys? I didn't know they were they were to that degree, but uh, you know I think Dean and uh, is still friends with John. You know, Laurinaitis came up to me uh, this year while we were were we Vegas. You were in we're Phoenix. Vegas. You were in Arizona. Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, came up to me at the restaurant at the hotel. And uh, wanted a word, which I was happy to provide. Uh, and him a word in this moment, 
He wanted to clear the air. I was happy to do that. I don't want to carry that fucking baggage around with me anymore. And I already had. Why would I? But uh, he he made his apologies on some of the things that he did or said, uh, and they did it right. And uh, I appreciated it. And we've exchanged a few text messages in the past. In the meantime, so I'm glad to get past that. You know, he and I speak. But I do know that he's a big, uh, that uh, Malenko and him are close. Uh, but, you know, here's the deal. Who was my top agent when uh, I was doing it? Jack Lanza. Who was the top agent when John was doing it? Dean Malenko. Both are great. But there was a, there was a changing of the guard. And I would assume that the lead agent made a little, he did when I did it. Uh, a little bit more money than not. So I understand all that. Dean, I, <clears throat> I'm looking forward to seeing Dean when I go back to work. He's a great guy, smart as hell. And he's overcoming this damn uh, Parkinson's. No, he's a good guy. So I, I couldn't really get mad at that. It was a good call. Finley, uh, I wasn't so, I didn't know him and Finley. Finley's that old school. Yes wrestler and he's going to feather his nest wherever he can but he's really good too at what he does he's done a lot for the women uh his company or has is he still with them yeah yeah he's still doing his thing hey uh, you wrote um it didn't really hit me until i saw a statement posted on the wwe's website to make the change public and permanent and uh you list that statement from wwe but then in response to it you wrote it was the first time i ever felt ambivalent about my overall place in wwe i still love the business and knew i had so much left to give but i was worn down from the constant politics of simply working there i was also physically hurting from the anxiety of having to look over my shoulder all the time wondering where my next humiliation was coming from or what would happen to my job but i wanted to tough it out I wanted to be who my father expected his son to be. I wanted to be the man whom I thought Jan would respect more. I wanted to be the good soldier whom Vince hired. Man, this is heartbreaking to read. It's the first time I felt ambivalent over my place in WWE. Wow. That's uh that's a tough pill to swallow there, man. Yeah, well, that's how I felt, just being honest. That's the, that's the thing about me writing books. Uh, you're going to get honesty. Our third book, I think it's going to be called uh, Business Just Picked Up or something like that. Publishers are doing that. But uh, that'll be coming out in the spring of next year, 2024, marking my 50th anniversary in wrestling. It's got a series of those stories in it. It's a quick read. I wanted to design and write a book with my friend Paul O'Brien that uh, would be like, a, you could read it in a can. A lot of short stories, <clears throat> pardon me. And uh, so, but it's gonna have total honesty. It's gonna open some eyes on some topics. It's gonna probably piss some people off. But if the truth hurts you, then that's your issue, not mine. Meltzer would write that there were a lot of changes that you probably wouldn't get credit for, but you deserved, like the way you changed some of the scheduling, 
uh, to allow guys more gym time and more time at home. In addition to that, he would credit you with making sure there was a more of a premium on the live events for the actual wrestling itself. Uh, maybe a little less guy got more actual wrestling content. He would also give you credit for ordering new rings because the rings before you took over were, well, a different animal. Um, yeah. What are some of the other little things that you think over your time and talent relations you were able to implement that maybe fans wouldn't recognize? I don't know, Conrad. You hit a pretty good list right there. Yeah. You stole my thunder, all that stuff right there I did. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, uh, being fair, being open, being accessible, being honest. You know, when you have Luna Vachon call you at midnight, all messed up, you got to listen. You got to listen. Uh, conclusion. But I think my just my overall attitude with talent was probably what I, the best thing I did. I showed them that you can talk to the office and the office will listen of them who were never got to Vince, the Vince level. I was the office. So it worked out pretty good. I, I enjoy, I really loved that job. I looked at it like as a head coach living my, my next life. It was kind of cool, but, uh, but that's, and that's why I was so emotionally attached to it. This was not a financial deal. I didn't lose money by getting replaced by Laurinaitis. I'm sure I still probably made more than him because I didn't get a, a cut in pay. And I was being paid a lot of money. So it, uh, it seemed like it worked out. And Conrad, look, today I'm, I'm, I'm doing the best I've ever done. Yes. I did, I, you know, I really am. Uh, even though I've had some health issues. But that just goes with one's life. And, and my fan base has never been more uh, formidable. They've never been more passionate. You know, I'm, I'm just, I miss those pops when I'm working. I miss sitting at ringside. Uh, which is my home. I'm, I'm so glad that uh, I hope when I go back to work, I'm back on a collision. Because I love being much fun. So we'll see how it works out. Let's talk a little bit about your approach and how maybe that's changed over the years. I know there was a real emphasis. I mean, we could hear it even in your WCW commentary years before you were running talent relations. You really valued, uh, quote unquote, real athletes. You would always put over you know, what guys did in college and, and how successful they were in their professional athletic endeavors or their amateur status. And it feels like with Johnny Ace, there's more of an emphasis on this guy has a good look, uh, you know, not to, not to be disrespectful, yeah. but there was certainly, hey, we're going to hire some Playboy models and we're going to teach them how to wrestle. That was not necessarily the Jim Ross way. It was, we're going to hire badass amateur athletes and we're going to teach them how to wrestle. These days, it feels like, Hunter has taken that different approach. Uh, WWE as a whole, they're doing NIL deals. So now they're approaching kids who are in college who have an opportunity, they think, to really level up. And of course, we just saw what they're trying to do with Gable Stevenson. He just had one of his first big matches at the Great American Bash this past weekend. And I think as we're. How'd that go, by the way? How'd that go with Gable Stevenson? 
Uh, well, I think the crowd ate him up. I think uh, they were pretty down on him. The crowd was, but you know, he's a new talent. I, I hope that he'll figure it out. When I was in Iowa at the Dan Gable Museum, as they're showing me around, and I have to admit, I'm not a, a, a an amateur wrestling guru or expert by any means, but I'm expecting okay, the greatest wrestlers of all time. There's going to be Bruce Baumgartner, and there's going to be Kurt Angle, and there's going to be Mr. Schultz, and certainly Hodge and Gable, and all these other legends. But, man, the folks who were giving me the tour, Mr. Miller, he just kept on and on. Steveson's one of the best, if not the best, of all time. And so to know that that guy now is in the WWE pipeline, and I understand, I don't know all the details, but I understand there's some controversy about his off-the-field behavior. But, my goodness, if this guy really is the greatest amateur wrestler in American history, to know he's in the WWE pipeline feels like something you would have been pretty proud of. I'm sure you've at least taken a look to see what they're doing, like, these days, I think, as we're recording this weekend, they're having tryouts with dozens of uh, Division One and Division Two athletes in Detroit for over SummerSlam weekend. Would you th- do you think that will continue? Is that the path to success? Is that the Jim Ross model? It should, because number one, they're world class athletes. They're durable. Uh, they're not injury proof and they're injury prone nobody's injury free uh but yeah i i uh that's a smart way of going about it you got guys that they they've been in a locker room i uh, you know in, in, in the uh amateur world they're, they're used to having teammates and all those things uh, they've had a code of conduct in most schools and most organizations like the AAU and so forth and so on. The first thing you got to address with some of these highly talented uh, kids is conduct yourself like an athlete and a gentleman and show some pride in what you're doing and who you're working for. Because you're asking to be gone real quick. I don't care how many gold medals you won. I've had issues with amateurs who thought they were bulletproof mm. and would come in and thought that the rules were for everybody but them because they were shooters and they were tough guys and so they could beat somebody up. Well, I don't care about that. What the hell do I care about? Who you could beat up? Serious? So anyhow, it's a, it's a, it's a good trend. I'm glad to see Hunter Smart. He, he signed durable athletes. And you know when you get them from a good program and they've been in it for a while that they are coachable. If not, you find out very quickly how coachable they are and how do they act uh, off the, away from the ring. I could have changed the the face of the force of WWE very quickly if I had pulled the trigger on some firings without trying to rehabilitate the attitude of some talents that, that I hired who, who came along and changed and became very viable and, and rich, profitable. But at the beginning, it didn't look good for some of them. Uh, I, I believe the only thing you continued once Johnny Ace, quote unquote, took over this talent relations job, or the first thing you, you continued to do before maybe that phased out was the payoffs. Do you think Vince just didn't 
trust Johnny to handle that, or did Vince no. know, hey, that's the heat, that's the fastest way to get Johnny heat. We should just let JR handle it. No, uh, Vince did not know I was still doing it. Oh, okay. Johnny apparently neglected to tell him. So I'd get the payroll every week, and I'd work it up for him and send it back in and that exit. <clears throat> so he had my payroll uh, to take care of or to, to look at. Now, he had every right in the world, and maybe he did. I don't think so. Uh, change whatever he didn't like. Because I never saw the finished product. I wasn't supposed to be doing it. Right. Vince found out I was doing it, fish to fit, and uh, had a had a little conversation with John, and then, then I didn't then I didn't have to do it anymore, which is fine with me. He should have been doing it. He needed to do it. He needed to know talent are so interested as they should be in this world. Of, now, in today's WWE or today's AEW could be different. I don't know. I don't know what anybody makes in AEW. I know some of them are very well taken care of. Uh, and fair. But doggone, man. Yeah, I kept doing it. My wife, Janice, said, why are you still doing payroll? It's almost a, 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 I don't know. I felt kind of crazy about that. I felt like, well, what the hell am I doing? Like, well, can you not give it up? That's kind of how I judged myself. Can you not give it up? Well, you're not supposed to be doing it. They changed your job description. This is not on your job description. So uh, I did that for several months after the, the, the switch turn, turn around. And Vince was not aware. He was, he was aware. Uh, he got, he made, was made aware. And it worked out real well. It, uh, just, I backed off, gave it to John. And, and there we go. You, um, you wrote in your book, it was framed later like I'd been given a promotion. They even came up with a senior VP of business strategies title for me to move into, but I was never even told what the head of business strategies does. <laughs> I had a stinking suspicion. It didn't matter. It was simply etched on a door that led to a big new office. The second I walked in, I knew I'd never feel comfortable there because to me, this was the retirement home built to keep me away from the real work that I loved. I did use the quiet of the office to think, though. My phone wasn't ringing and my doorway wasn't busy. I didn't have the pressure of payroll nor the headache of talent issues. I wasn't scouting anyone or negotiating a deal, and I hated it. Man, this is, I'm with you. Damn it. This was a sad topic. Just reading your words here, like in my head, this would be a fun episode about navigating talent relations because we all, as fans, man, we hear that, but. What does that really mean on a day to day? But then to know, well, the end is they gave me a quote unquote promotion and a big fancy office and I hated it. That just sucks, dude. Yeah, it was uh, not the greatest of times, but again, it's up to all of us to pick out the good. And, and the good was my bank account. Right. I made a lot of cash. As I said, I don't want it be redundant. So if you go back to look at the bottom, bottom line of everything, uh, it wasn't a bad experience whatsoever. And Vince was kind enough not to cut my pay, even though I got my responsibilities cut. So uh, he, he kept his word and kept paying me well. And, you know, he, he knew that I was there. If Johnny uh, 
did something that was unscrupulous. He did something that was not good uh, for whatever reason. I think some of those things came to light here in the last several months. Uh, he had me to fall back on because he knew I wasn't going to screw it up. And uh, so at, at the end of the day, it all worked out. I mean, that, that senior VP gimmick ran his course as it should have. Let's do a few questions, then we'll put a bow on this one. Uh, Jason Hawkins wants to know, around this time frame, there were tons of rumors that JR was growing tired of the way Vince treated him and might leave for TNA. How close was Jim to making that move? Any serious consideration going to uh, getting a TNA? Yeah. Uh, I was living in, in Norman. And uh, Dixie Carter's family has a beautiful ranch in North Texas. They flew to Norman and picked me up. They, the Dixie and her brother, and they picked me up in Norman at uh, Westheimer Airport and flew me to, uh, what the hell name of the town she lives in? Can't think of it. But anyway, it's, it's a 20-minute flight in a little jet. And I met the whole family down there, Mr. and Mrs. Carter. And uh, I was interested. And I would have taken it, but I had to have my terms. And my terms were, I need to run it. So if I, if, if I use the old Bill Parcells line. You want me to cook dinner, you got to let me buy some groceries. And so I wanted to have control over the talent roster totally because some guys are going to have to go because they're, they're killing the budget. And, uh, and, uh, her dad thought the world of me. We had great fun. We had, we drank some good old whiskey. Uh, his, his Mrs. Carter had some good food, great cook. They recruited me. Well, the mom and dad, Dixie was so afraid apparently to give me that kind of power because of how the many on the roster would react. So, uh, she didn't pull the trigger and I don't have, and I, I've seen Dixie many times since then. We get along fine. I like her. I've always liked her. Uh, and, but she made, she, she wanted to change the course of TNA. There was her chance. And she didn't pull the trigger. She didn't have the conviction to step away from all her incumbents because they had built their little power struggle, the power areas. It was pro wrestling. The con men had taken over. And sometimes she didn't see it. But yeah, it was close. Like I said, I flew down there and stayed the spent the day. <coughs> they flew me home. <clears throat> with what Mr. Kerr called a traveler. That's a to-go cut. So I had a, I had a good time. He, he's a nice man. And I would have, I would, I would have enjoyed working there because we we're going to blow it up and make it work, uh, for everybody. And some of the high price guys would either take pay cuts because they're grossly overpaid or they'd be gone. So, 
that's kind of where we were. So yeah, I was close. Well, how about that? There's a little story that everybody hadn't heard. Uh, here's one from David. He wants to know, uh, does JR think another employee would have been better suited for the role? And if so, who? Of course, he's talking about Johnny Ace there. In hindsight, listen, I know it sucks to transition out of this spot, your dream job, if you will. But if you were going to pass the reins to someone else, is there someone else who was hanging around at the time who you think had the chops to pull it off? Oh, gosh. I'd have to think about that one, Conrad. I, I'm sure there were. There's a lot of qualified people working there. I'm sure, I'm sure there were. I just can't think of somebody off the top of my head. Uh, but they, whomever it was needed to be seasoned, and they needed to be, uh, uh, you know, have product knowledge. I say that all the time. It gets, it gets old. It's competitive. But you got to understand the business. So somebody that had uh, wrestling experience and maybe a college degree because it shows they got a little, they finished the project. You know, um, I don't know the name. I mean, there are a lot of qualified guys. Somebody might be surprised. I would say Tommy Dreamer might have been a candidate because he's passionate about the business and he understood it and he'd been around a long time and he seemed to be motivated. He might have done good in there. But usually the guys that are wrestling heavy as far as their, uh, you know, their, uh, how, you're, how they're evaluated, they become one, they're a little bit one dimensional. In other words, they're really good on the wrestling side, not so good on the corporate side. Because I had to go to all the, I was on the executive committee. I had to go to all the meetings. And that might not work for a diehard wrestler. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's a very unique role. And uh, again, I found John Ace. Just it. Because, uh, like I said, Vince didn't know who he was. I don't know if that's true. That's what he told me. Let's do another question here. This is from FF Handbook. He says, Eric has said that Turner gave him a dollar amount to stay under, a.k.a. he had a roster budget. And as long as he did, he didn't need approval to make a deal with a talent. Did Vince give that sort of free reign or did every move have to be okayed? Did you have a budget? Like, hey, here's the talent budget this year, or is that not really the way it worked? It, no, we, we, we're free spending, man. And uh, I had uh, the power to sign anybody. Now, if there was a big deal, half a million bucks, all the way up to a million bucks, I obviously would consult my boss. Why wouldn't I? It's not an ego thing. Well, I can sign anybody I want. Come on. <clears throat> so uh, that's how that went. He let me run it pretty, pretty freely. He started to back out the day-to-day, and that made my life a lot easier. Fernando Diaz wants to know, is there one thing JR misses about talent relations? Yeah, being around the boys and girls, being around the talent. Their enthusiasm is infectious. The look on their faces when they get a good payoff or they, they get booked in a big match is heartwarming. But being around the talent, I, I, I love wrestling talent. Still do. And that's why I'm so anxious to get back to work in AEW so I can be around them. 
It's invigorating. And a lot of them just want to talk. And all I want to do is listen. It works out really well. We'll do one last one here. This is from Ian McCook. And he says, was there ever a time in your role of being talent relations where you felt quote unquote, this isn't right. In other words, or you disagreed with what you were being asked to do. Hmm. Not many times. No, not really. Not many times gone red. I mean, I had a way of explaining those things to Vince. It seemed to work out fine. Vince normally wanted to always do right. Sometimes his version of right and mine were a little askew, but not that often. Not that often. He always wanted what was best for WWE, as did I. That was our common denominator. Well, what's best for WWE is they have uh, done their earnings call since we've been recording this morning, Jim. Uh, yeah. Revenue was $410 million, an increase of 25%. Each PLE has set global unique viewership records. Live event revenue is up 51% over the prior year, and their average attendance is now 9870 That's an increase of 45%. So it seems like the company's on fire, but there was something that was released. I don't know if you've had a chance to see this. It happened and it came out since we've been recording. Uh, but in the, uh, the earnings call, there was a disclosure that's been highlighted all over social media this morning. On July 17th, 2023, federal law enforcement agents executed a search warrant and served a federal grand jury subpoena on Mr. McMahon. No charges have been brought in these investigations. And we've learned earlier in the week that Mr. McMahon just had some sort of major spinal surgery and he's on medical leave and he's going to be on that for the foreseeable future. Uh, I don't know if this is related to the story that came out last year about Vince or if this is tied to um, the MLW lawsuit or, or what this is, but it doesn't seem like it's good news for WWE today. Business-wise, everything's great, but if you were in that talent relations role today, I bet your phone would be ringing off the hook. It might be. Yeah, it might be, Connie. Well, I, I hate to hear Vince had to have surgery because uh, he's such a health nut. Eating and working out and all the things for his age, he's, he's, he's quite the specimen. So I, I haven't seen that. I haven't been on social media today, and uh, I don't know what the dirt is. I'll, I'll check it out. But uh, it'll be inter- it's interesting. I, I don't They need to get past all this shit. They really do. And I'm sure that's uh, one of the catalysts of the rumor that the company is for sale. I don't know that it is, but I don't know that it isn't. It certainly seems like it could be. Well, I'm anxious to see what's going to happen with this uh, Endeavor deal when it's all uh, finalized and formalized. And at the same time, what the heck's going on with uh, the feds? I mean, anytime you hear the words search warrant, that isn't usually the best news. Uh, that's not a great day. Well, uh, with you, search warrant, scary. So yeah. what are they looking for? That's the question, right? What, what are the feds looking for with a search warrant? You know, it's not like Trump's, uh, uh, you know, documents. Or is it? <laughs> Can you imagine? There's no telling. I mean... That's the thing that's interesting about this. Like, first of all, I hope it all works out the way it's supposed to, but 
I can't imagine how stressful this is, but at the same time, yeah, like what are they looking for? Like the curiosity is what's going to kill the cat on this one. But I know if they were looking for the right way to start their day, well, you and I could have told them it's AG one. It's one scoop in a, in a <laughs> cup of water every day. That's all you need. And, uh, if it's, per, it's perfect for you, if you want better gut health, or if you're looking for a boost in energy, you want to support your immune system. Maybe you hate taking pills and vitamins and you just want a supplement that tastes great. Well, this checks all the boxes. I mean, I really think you should think about what all's in here. We're talking 75 super ingredients here. Think of it as like your daily multivitamin, all your minerals, all your pre and probiotics for your gut health, all your adaptogens, even a greens blend, all inside of one scoop of powder. That's it. That's all you need to get your dark state, your day, your day started right. And I actually think I am more focused at work. I don't have that afternoon crash. My wife believes that she's more productive in her workouts. So whether you're looking for mental clarity or actual just an energy boost, man, this just checks all the boxes. It's 75 high-quality vitamins, probiotics, whole foods, source superfoods. Think of it as like you're all in one nutritional platform. And it's almost like your nutritional insurance. It costs less than three bucks a day. And man, it's just good for you. And it tastes good. And if you're looking for a simpler, effective investment for your health, we recommend you try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Just go to drinkag1.com slash JR. That's drinkag1.com slash JR. Man, I don't know what I expected today, Mr. Ross, but today's episode was uh, uh, interesting, challenging, informative, educational, uh, but I'm sure you had a, a different experience. No, it was, it was good. Better than I proceeded would be. Just, you know, you, you have a choice, Connie. You have a choice to focus on the negative memories or to focus on the good of that situation. That job. Help me secure my future financially. Uh, and I know Jan loved it. Uh, you know, you gotta, the coach's wife's got to be happy. Right. And she, and she was. And, I, and I, I love her and miss her for that. But uh, it was not a happy day at our house. I got the news. But, look, here we are. I wish she was with me because I'm living my life right now. My best life. And uh, I thank Tony Khan for that and AEW. I'm still working and I'm getting ready to do more work sooner than you think. Well, and, and speaking of working, you're working every single day over at jrsbbq.com. It never closes. It's seven days a week. They're open right now. And as a friend of ours likes to say, it costs nothing to look. When you go to jrsbbq.com, you'll see he's got action figures. He's got trading cards. And these are all autographed opportunities, by the way. But in addition to that, man, you can sauce it, baby. You're looking for JR's red-ass hot sauce? Well, he's got it in stock, ready to roll. He's got two types of barbecue sauce. He's got chipotle ketchup. He's got main event mustard. He's got jerky. And he's got my favorite, the all-purpose seasoning. Man, it's just great on all protein. It doesn't just have to be on your chicken or your ribs or your steak. No, man, you can put that stuff on eggs or even popcorn. It's a home run in my house. You're going to love it. It's jrsbbq.com. It's good for what ails you, Jim, right? Yeah, man. It's uh, family recipes made with love. Hope you guys will try it. Again, as Connie said, it costs nothing to look. Uh, JRSBBQ.com. Open every day, every minute. Place your order. And if you have any trouble, 
just let me know. Well, we're going to let you know how fun we're going to have next week here on the show. We had, I don't know, maybe one of our best podcasts ever earlier this year when we talked about Mid-South Wrestling, and it turned into a darker conversation that we wound up pausing, uh, and we wound up calling the episode The Dark Side of Mid-South. We're going to pick up our conversation next week. Hopefully, some of that bad news is in the rearview mirror. We're going to talk about some more happy and fun memories from the good old days of professional wrestling. Uh, We've talked about some behind-the-scenes stuff in the last two weeks. So next week, man, we're going to talk about the way wrestling used to be. This is going to be right in your wheelhouse right here, Mr. Ross. Mid-South, come on. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. Great memories. So many stars, legitimate stars, were created in Mid-South. We'll talk about those guys next week and the strong leadership of an owner that had tons of product knowledge, and it showed. Stay tuned, boys and girls. On deck, it's Mid-South Wrestling right here on Grilling JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Stay tuned, everybody. Be sure and watch uh, Collision Saturday night. You might like what you see. Thanks, everybody. Hey guys, it's the hardcore legend Mick Foley here, and I need to call a quick timeout, a brief timeout, because I wanted to tell your listeners what I have been telling Foley is Pod listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. On the debut episode of Making the Town, Lumini takes us through the memorable matches and moments of the famed ECW arena, including one that was never seen. Something very special happened after the power went off. Uh, Paul Heyman went out into the ring and spoke to the crowd without a microphone. And the crowd just stayed quiet and listened. And he gave the most heartfelt thank you to that crowd that night. And uh, the biggest shame of it is there's no footage of it because the power went out. On an all-new Tuesday with the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan talks about what some of the greatest factions of all time have in common. Four horsemen, four guys, Mm. when they're in the strongest. NWO, four guys when they're the strongest. And then Bloodline, four guys. But they also had a manager, each one of them. JJ, Eric, and Paul E. That's just a small taste, a sampling, if you will, of what we have waiting for you. With four levels to choose from. See for yourself why ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? Yeah, how many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.